Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will bring you an inspiring person to help you improve in all areas of your life. We'll be chatting with friends old and new who have incredible stories and experiences to share. We'll be listening to some of their obstacles and how they've shown resilience to overcome them. Each episode should give you value and influence and inspire you to your greatness. Welcome to Making It Happen. Um, my name is Tom Dalton. We are on episode episode number 11. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by a running coach, uh, someone who's coached me in the past myself, um, marathon coach and massage sport therapist, Kevin English. How are we doing? Not too bad. Good to be here, Tom. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, really excited to get into some um, questions on running training specifics of coaching how you've dealt with coaching i'd love to just run back to where did your running career or experience start yeah i suppose it started really um at a relatively young age i was always running around the fields in the back garden i was never really good at any other sports like uh so like football i was always stuck in goal because i was brutal outside and um even when i was going grabbing the balls uh someone kicked it past the goal i'd be going running after for ages um yeah it's school sports i always finished last like in the sprints races and then one year it was in i think uh primary school last year in primary school they introduced a longer distance race and uh, i ended up winning that so a few of the lads in the local running club and talent athletic club at the time said you gotta you gotta come down to the club like because you're beating us and we're winning medals like so um i went down initially and there was a coach down there tony Bourne. he's still there and tony had me sprinting and i hated sprinting so i left and then i came back about six months later and uh he said to me if you could do a ring road the ring road there in Kilimani, he said it's two miles if you can keep up with the guys um for two mile at a ring road you can go into the longer distance and i managed to keep up with them and did is your family have experience of running or athletics or was that the background or where did that were your brothers or sisters or siblings no no one no one in the the family would be that sporty um my mom would have a i suppose she would you know be out for two hours three hour walks you know she has that endurance i suppose i got it from her um my dad no he's he's like he likes to sit on his couch and and observe sport and and shout abuse at people on the t- tv you know and when you were in school and that coach was helping you out did the speed just come or was it just something you fell in love with then um i was lucky at the time because i was surrounded by there was a gang like uh hayden walsh uh the Connolly brothers the war brothers all these guys alan casey they were all like they weren't just winning national titles they were actually setting records so for me all i had to do was try and keep up with these guys um and i found i felt found out then the further that i ran the better i got so um even to this day now you know the longest i've ever done is a marathon i i would feel that once i go above that marathon distance i'll improve again and you know that's the great thing about um long distance running is age isn't really a factor actually sometimes the older you are the better you'll get at a sport because you've created that foundation so that you can um i suppose build that 
people is building blocks that when you go further that you have this uh, all built up and you have no problem kind of getting through that longer distance now a lot of the longer distance stuff is there's a huge mental side to it as well when you're a kid or teenager and you're you mentioned the mental side how much of a release was it for you in your teenage years running and getting out and being outside and clearing the head massive like i was awful in school um you know i just had a few i had a few incidents in school where i just had runs in with teachers um you know and i just academically i was quite intelligent i was in the top class initially and as the years progressed in school i just got worse and worse and worse um to the point that i remember at fifth year i was expelled from school and it was like uh you can go get a job was the uh, principal's uh statement to me but you have the option of coming back i don't think he thought i'd come back and i came back then and, and i got my leaving cert um i just scraped by on, on a leaving cert i suppose that's when I finished school, I didn't really know what to do. And that's when I started to look at sports as a career choice. So I then went into sports massage. And um, from there then I did another, like it was a FOSS course on gym instruction. And I got some work experience in a gym in town called the Ivy Fitness. And I got on so well during work experience and I didn't even have my qualification at the time. Um, girl in there, Lillian, who who was the manager, she said, "Do you want to s- stay on uh, in a part time role, and then when you get your your academics in it, you can uh, start with us full time." Brilliant. And Kev, just going back when you mentioned this to me previously before, I didn't know there was an age uh, you had to be to do a marathon, do an official marathon. Mm. So when you were competitively running, probably through your teenage years. Like, when did you do your first marathon? Oh, God. Um, this is a sticky one. I suppose, like, for years I worked in running shops and, you know, the customer comes in and you're having the chats with them. And they, the first question they nearly always ask you is, um, how many marathons have you done? <laughs> for years I kept going, um, I haven't done a marathon. And they kind of look at you, they kind of look at you, they look down at you a little bit and kind of go, oh, he hasn't done a marathon. So it's it's become this way now, you know, where people will sign up for races and I'll say, right, here's the structure of your marathon training. We're going to do this a few 5Ks, 10Ks to start. And they go, oh, I can do 5K and 10K any day. But they don't understand that developing your leg speed, you know, is very, very important to the marathon as well. Um, And when you did your first marathon, was it a success or was it something you loved or did yeah, you want to get better? Uh, well... My first, my first, uh, my first marathon was, um, I suppose I, I shouldn't really run it at the time. I wasn't really training. Um, we were working at the marathon expo at the time, uh, with Amphibian King. And a few of the guys says, what would you say you do a marathon right now? And I was like, well, I break three hours and they go, well, you haven't ran in set six months and you're a little bit overweight. There's no way. And I was like, I will. And they go, we'll get you a number. So they got me a number. Um, I ended up going out at like 2.38 pace, I think, up until 21 miles. And then just totally blew up, uh, walked, grabbed wine gums off people on the side of the street. Um, just wanted to get to the finish line. 
and um, finishing 257. So mission accomplished, but probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was doing a marathon unprepared. And I suppose for now, it's given me that experience where I can pass on to other people that you can't wing a marathon. You can't just do eight or 10 weeks training or be a Gaelic player or a soccer player and think, I've got all this fitness. I'll do eight weeks training and I'll be grand. It doesn't work out like that because it's a total different type of fitness, you know, like a, a Gaelic player, a soccer player. It's short bursts. Um, they're not used to sustained pace for long periods of time. Uh, so my second, I suppose, my first official marathon, I suppose, under my name was was a really, really good experience. Um, I went up with a good friend of mine, Gary O'Hanlon, and we went up to Tyrone Marathon, and the plan was, right, we're going to do a training run together. It's a low-key marathon. There's not going to be anyone fast in it. Uh, we can just run around. Uh, long story short, there was a fast guy in it, and him and Gary went off and left me after <laughs> after two miles. So, um, yeah, we after about five miles, I caught them up, and um, we all ran together, and we just chatted the whole way. I suppose around 15 miles, Gary put in a huge um, burst and, and got away from us, and we were kind of playing for second and third, um, in my mind, I was just like, I want to get to the finish as, as comfortable as I can. And I didn't wear a watch that day either. So the guy beside me, he was wearing a Casio watch. You know, it wasn't a Garmin. And we were just going by the mile splits on the road. So I remember at 20 miles, I was on for about, I think, 2.48. So I was very, very happy. The goal was kind of sub 2.50. And we just kept getting quicker and quicker as the race progressed. So we did a huge negative split. I think the second half was something like five or six minutes quicker than the first half. And by the end, I think there was three minutes gap from Gary to the second guy and two minutes then to me. And I think I finished 2.43. I ended up running on the, on the first official marathon. So I suppose in hindsight, all my best marathons have been when there's a kind of relaxed attitude going into it and you're not like, I want to run this time, you know, I'm concerned what other people think, you know, I was just in that mode of, I'm going to go up, it's a training run, it's another long run, and you'll also find that, and I say this to a lot of people, you could do all the training in the world, and it's the long runs, you would have found it yourself, the long runs that you experience, the bad long runs that you experience, are the ones that make it in for the marathon on the day, uh, now you don't want to have all bad runs, mm. but you know, one or two of them, and you, you kind of you get that feeling of that empty feeling you know where your energy levels are low and you you start to think god a marathon is harder than maybe i expected i need to give the respect it deserves and do the right training and kev two two points i just want to pick up on there i suppose first off when did you know endurance racing was for you a lot of people i don't know they love their 5k 10k marathon how did you know it was the longer distance that was for you I, um, I guess it's like like anyone who I take on for coaching. I look at their strengths and I look at their weaknesses. So we all have a certain amount of fast twitch fibers, and we all have a certain amount of slow twitch. Um, I think I'm kind of a, a 50 50. Um, so I'm never going to be fast enough to you know to do well over five and ten k. Um, but at the longer stuff. I, I, I'll hold me on, you know, 
Um, so I realized right marathon running or longer distance running might suit me better. Now it took me a long time. Like I, I, I laid the foundation for years and years. So, you know, I started at, at 12 and I suppose my first marathon was probably my first official marathon. Let's say we we'll count the first one. Um, was probably about seven years ago so it's like 31 years of age so probably a good good age to kind of get into marathon running early 30s um the canyons now are, are changing that completely so like you're seeing them run marathons like a 2021 because they're just chasing the money um and when you're coaching clients i'd love to dig into this a little bit deeper now What's the biggest thing you see is people just underestimating the marathon or the distance or, as you said, not respecting the race? Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people sign up for marathons um, and they see it as a challenge, obviously. You know, it's 26.2 miles. And a lot of these people might have especially nowadays a lot of people might have only ran like 10k in distance before they sign up for a marathon so they, they've never really uh had that feeling of that empty feeling you know in a long run where you just again going back to the the mental side where your your mind is telling you to stop and all these things are going through your head during a long run so a lot of people don't give it the right amount of time so they haven't built up properly leading up to the marathon in terms of whether they've raced distances you know from the 10k 10 mile half and sometimes there is a couple of some great three-quarter marathons now in like we did one there in kilkenny and there's another uh one in longwood there that paul Mann runs and they're, they're really good events because it just it shows you what it's going to be like um and then People are reading up a lot of stuff on the internet and there's so much ways of training for a marathon. So I seen one there last week and it was like how to train for a marathon with two days a week running. And I'm kind of going, you, you can't do a marathon in two days a week running. So people sometimes are looking for the shortcuts and there's no shortcut for a marathon. You have to do, you'd have to do minimum four I would suggest five days, you know, like when we did it, your fifth day is only like a therapy day or an easy recovery run. So I, sometimes I don't really count that. Um, yeah. And when you talk about coaching people, do you have an ideal time you'd love to work with someone at a period up to a marathon or is there, does that depend on each level of fitness of the person? Yeah, it, it depends on the person's background. So, you know, for example, I had a had a guy this year who would have played county football for Wicklow, and so he's got that competitive streak in him, and he has a good base of fitness starting off. Um, so then you'd have the complete opposite, and I find you get more of these type of people now. Is you get people who've never done any sport in their life, and they've taken up running. And they're just blown away by the experience of running, the highs, the adrenaline. And they just, they can't get their head around how good it feels, you know, the, the post-run feeling, you know, you know, I say to someone, you, you'll, you'll never regret a run. Like you go out and you'll come back and it might be in tough, but you've, you've had this real high, the buzz after a run. And it's like, 
for me like I've, I've been nearly eight months injured and i'm only back a couple of weeks running now and just that lovely feeling of going being able to go out for a run um and you miss it you, you know when you're you're not running you're looking at people running and you're just going oh i wish that was me um you're looking out the car window and you're just going oh they're so lucky to be able to run and we are lucky to be able to run you know yeah it's, it's amazing point just sometimes perspective of being healthy and reacting to get out and do it um just from the, how did you transition from you mentioned earlier getting into the massage and leaving school and working in certain retail shops how did that transition then into coaching and doing that as as probably a career path yeah so d- i dabbled in it a little bit in the gym at the time because there was a gang like that were training for ba- belfast marathon one year and then i did a few kind of one-to-one uh sessions with people uh in the build-up to their marathon training so that that kind of st- um started at, at a, obviously in my early 20s and then um i was always involved in in the athletics uh clubs so tala ac and clonliffe harriers would have been my two clubs and we then uh being in the shops i suppose people are always asking me about different types of training what they were doing and was always given free advice um so about like four years ago i finished up with the retail side of things and a few people kind of contacted me about training schedules and i just kind of transitioned from there it was kind of a hobby at the beginning and then my wife said to me elaine she says you could actually start you should be charging people i you you know yourself i hate taking money off people i'm not a good business person that way but i i just i just decided to set up a facebook page and instagram account and done a little bit about my own training my own uh races and stuff and uh more and more people just start asking me about uh getting coached by them and i suppose what's the what's the one thing you love about it is it is it working with the people one-on-one is it working with groups is it seeing them get a time or hit a race it's a it's a combination of all them things so like the group thing like i run a a monday night group at seven o'clock outside west park fitness there and i probably have the same group like for the last two and a half years and it's just a social thing and then from the one-to-ones ah like it's 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 life-changing what you can do with people like you know from their own you know their own health and, and fitness uh they have more energy in their workplace um they're better people to be around when they're running um now it's like anything too much of something it, you know you have to kind of find a balance and that's where you know when i meet someone initially i'll ask them a questionnaire and some of the questions might seem funny to them initially so i'll ask them how many kids they have you know are they married you know so i have a couple of clients who are single they have more time to train they have more time to recover recovery is key as well um so you have all these different elements and I guess like you have to find a balance that suits that person. So there's no point in me giving someone six days a week training. They have these ambitions to break four hours for the marathon. And I give them six days a week and they can't do it. So mentally then they're shattered because they feel like a failure because they can't do what, I, what I've given them. So I have to find out what the balance is, what suits them, 
and then from there then i suppose it's just a uh, step by step leading up to the mark and i suppose personally for myself kev like the great thing we're working about you is i suppose i it was my this year was my second marathon obviously so i'm doing dublin but i have a bigger goal next year to complete an ironman and that that's one of my major goals but how is it hard balancing with the clients you're working with that are maybe hung up on a time or someone else's opinion of hitting a certain time yeah like so i'll give you an example so the girl there susan uh she's with me a couple of years and susan um i think she was like a f- i think she had f- five hours something for her first marathon and then when she came to me she'd ran belfast and she'd actually when we look back after she'd actually done less mileage training with me but she ran she broke four hours for the first time um in dublin and she was a little bit disappointed because she ran a really super half marathon and when she ran the half marathon everyone in work and people were saying you're going to run x time and that kind of got into her head a little bit so fast forward then to donna d then uh, in february which isn't that long after dublin and she went through the marathon distance in a pb in the 50k and maintained that time then for the duration which was an extra 8k or five miles so to be able to do that showed that she didn't actually perform on the day in dublin even though it was a pb um so sometimes you do all the preparation but come the day of the marathon it's all on the day you know you, you might pick up a flu or a bug or you mightn't get much sleep because of nerves um, so all these factors come into play um and kev i suppose it's it's 2019 now and you go out on any part of the country and there's always people run the roads and people may be training for a certain event where where do you think the running a sport is now on the marathon it like is it as big as it's ever going to be or is it going to continue to grow i think there's more growth in it like you'll see double marathon there now obviously they've introduced a, a ballot system you know that just straight away just tells you the demand that's there for for marathon running um, and then you've lower you have lower key marathons so the kind of next level down will be kind of cork limerick and then smaller marathons there you clonakilty there recently you know people are looking for for trips away or you know weekends away you know fun element once they get the first marathon out of the way they might just want to do it kind of a, a lower key marathon and sometimes people run better in the lower key marathons because there's all it erasmus around dublin and the build-up to it and everyone's asking you what time you're going to run and people get like going back to that there they, we were talking about times people get sucked into the whole time element and people put a time on something where they've never even trained for something so it's like you know you they might say i want to break four hours they might actually be able to capable of breaking three hours they don't know until they actually start to train i I, i've seen it myself i've seen it um at triathlons i've i've seen it at half marathon and marathons i've been out supporting some people crossing the line actually crossing the line physically don't have a happy face them because as you say it might be a time or something went wrong and i'm like you're part of a very excuse exclusive club that's why i put it in my mind is like you've actually achieved a marathon or a triathlon or a 10k 5k it's amazing as you say sometimes we forget that we get the opportunity to do these things we do we do you know and then like there's also the other other side of it is like 
there's the completion element so i want to complete a marathon and that's that's fine i've no issues with that but then there's the other side of it is like do you want to complete it or do you want to get the best out of yourself and my kind of thinking around coaching is kind of thinking of each person long term rather than the short term i'm not trying to just get this magnificent time in a six-month period and then you know they're they start to pick up injuries or it's all about the long term like sustainability that you can kind of keep that program together and you could do it year in year out and start to see improvements each year um but yeah no look it's it's a brilliant day to marathon it's it's life-changing you know i had my own sister who ran her first marathon um two years ago in dublin and and was she a runner before kev no no she wasn't no complete opposite like didn't really have much of a sporting background maybe like when she was 15 16 17 played a bit of camogie in school and uh yeah like just gave up cigarettes and um was just like i'll I'll start on the park run and i suppose park run is brilliant like park run is where a lot of people start running and there's a community spirit around it people come down um, and anyone out there who hasn't started running yet, I would advise them to start with park run. You know, it's a 5k distance. Anyone within eight to 10 weeks can get up to 5k running without stopping. doesn't matter whether you're heavily overweight, you're unfit, whatever. Uh, so my sister started with park run about four years ago. And yeah, it was, it was super just to kind of see her um, each week get that bit fitter we we had our little fallouts on the long runs where we'd have our little arguments and shouting matches because she'd be one of them runners that likes to know where she's going whereas i would like just go out and run and i wouldn't think about where i'm going and you know i've done it in the past like living in sydney and new york and gone out for runs and got completely lost and ended up running i think one of them i ran 39 miles on a long run you know just crazy like because i just didn't put any planning into it yeah and kev just going back to your your own personal i suppose uh running journey um you're just recovering from an injury now is your goal just to get back to get back competitively to hit a certain time what would be your personal goal now i think every time i get injured i i think of it differently so i'm obviously getting older um you always put the question marks like will i be able to get back to where i was and the first two or three weeks you're going no and then after that you suddenly start to think oh, I'll, I'll pick out a small key race maybe in 15 weeks time and do that and each time i'm able to bounce back but i suppose this time is a little bit different i i just like to get back running and maybe have 18 months of injury-free running and see what i can do then rather than trying to push it the whole time and try and run 80 90 100 miles a week um i just i just don't have the the um i wouldn't say the hunger but i I don't have the the time now to kind of apply to that i'm loving what i'm doing in terms of the coaching side of things so my own running will kind of take a little bit more of a backseat going forward i think as you say sometimes you just have to listen to your body um and would you notice that with any of the clients you're working with they just push through things or get injured or is it a tough balance yeah there's kind of like a pain level so you'll see some people every week where they're 
they're giving out. Generally, if they're giving so out. So I won it out. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, y- if someone has like, uh, I have a guy, George, who I, I, I coach, and, and George had reconstruction on his foot. Like he, he, he was told he'll never run again. Like, you know, so for him, we kind of have to manage his, his injury. He's always going to have it. So it's not one of them injuries that's just going to disappear. Um, but I think sometimes when people see improvements, they almost like block out that bit of pain when, it's, when they're running quite well sometimes that's the time where it's it's hard to, to say no i'll take a rest because they just see themselves getting fitter every week yeah um where do you see the sport now we like recently it's been salazar all over the press and drugs and sport I, I mentioned this in the podcast with david gillick and just where what's your whole opinion on the sport now and the professionalism and do you see Kapoji running a sub two marathon and you're like whoa is it just going to keep going quicker and quicker um bit of a big broad question yeah, there but not very yeah, specific yeah, yeah yeah no look we we do have these debates on the whatsapp me and my buddies and you know it there's quite a, a black cloud around everything now you know you question every every top end result you question and it's not because you kind of go well uh, you know i've a of a few buddies there that would be you know sub 220 guys you know it's not that they they question it and go well if i can only do this why are they able to break two hours but i always i'm always of the opinion if i'm watching something on tv and if it looks too good to be true it's generally too good to be true um i think running now is almost it's on a par with cycling in terms of drugs that's I'm quite quite negative towards it, and sometimes I try not to talk about it because it's a sport I love, and I have a passion about it. But if I ch- missed out on watching athletics, would it bug me as much as it used to? Probably not as much. Like I I love watching it, but sometimes I actually like watching like a Dublin Championship more than I watch. I like watching a World Championships or an Olympics, or I like watching, say. UK championship or something like that where it's it's not like all the races on the circuit now are, are pacemakers so it's quite dull to watch you know it's you'll know the top two or three that are going to be in the first three and there's no great surprises because they're running as fast as you can go um I I just the whole Nike thing and the two hour I think it was brilliant in terms of it showed it could be I done. just I, sorry for cutting across mm-hmm. it I just couldn't get over the money that was spent on him achieving a race like that they relayed the roads the sponsorship that went into this the runners the pacers I just elaborate a bit on that <laughs> yeah but how much money have they made back now recently you know on them shoes like yeah I looked at it, uh, there was the Sealy Cup up in Northern Ireland there last weekend, and the whole front row was green and pink, you know, really? next percents, yeah. So there's like 30 guys and girls on the front, and every single one of them had it on. Okay. You know, and that's going to have a knock-on effect to the, the people further behind, because they'll go, why are they running these times? Now, don't get me wrong, you have to go out, do the training, but there is a small advantage with these shoes. Um, they say it's a 4% but it's 4% efficiency. So 4% efficiency could vary from person to person. So 4% over a marathon for me could be six minutes. But I think the top end runners somewhere between probably 60 to 80 seconds. It's not huge, but at that level, it's quite big. Marginal gains, you say. And just one more thing, Kev, before I move off this. This year, 
a the, if I'm correct now, I could be wrong. The guy who won a Dublin Marathon was previously banned for doping. Yeah. What's your opinion on that and the length, I suppose, of doping bans, or what do you think? It, how should it be policed? Yeah. As, well, I suppose from Dublin Marathon's perspective on that, like they'd all have these agents and the agents would approach uh, Dublin Martin and Dublin Martin would approach them and they'd say, we have this guy, he's ran X time, um, can you cater for him, can you fly him over? So all that was sorted with the agent, but obviously that was left out that he served a, a drug ban. So they did find out initially a couple of days beforehand and they could have declined him, but they allowed him in, which I don't think was right. And obviously Stephen Scullion, uh, from Northern Ireland, it would have been a, a bigger story of him winning Dublin Martin, you know, than a drug cheat. So we all make mistakes. Um, I still think it should be a life ban. It'll just put people off completely from from taking drugs, and it just means that hopefully we can get a cleaner sport at the end of the day. And Kev, I suppose just want to get some tips now any listener say someone who's never ran in their life before what would be three or five top tips you'd give them to maybe just get them started on the road to maybe getting out on the road yeah i mean uh the first thing is uh i mean in terms of your kit it doesn't have to be the most uh expensive gear a good pair of runners is, is always a good point to start you know i've had people where they go i'll start running and see if I like it. And then after six or seven weeks, they say, I have shin splints. And I go, what runners are you wearing? And they have a pair of Aldi or Little runners. <laughs> and they kind of go, you need to get half decent runners to start. So that, that's your first starting point. Um, fine company is so important. So running with someone, you know yourself, if you have faster people to run with, it means you're going to try and keep up. And if you're someone that's a little bit slower, go for your kind of easy recovery days where you can run with them um whole conversation is key to running when you're starting so if you can hold conversation it means that you're running at the right pace when you're starting off with um vary your routes as well so a lot of people will run the same route and try and beat their time every time and what tends to happen with that is you'll you'll get a huge anaerobic kick from that and you'll you'll see some uh, improvements uh, pretty quickly but then all of a sudden your time will start to plateau and you'll actually start to get slower so vary your paces and vary your distances and um if you can get down to there's a lot of clubs in ireland that have a uh, groups called fit for life and fit for life is like a i suppose it's a lower key running club and you can get in and they can kind of bring you from scratch up to five or ten k um and this this just helps people surrounded by other people who are in the same position that just want to get fit and get running and you touched on there kev on uh equipment and runners how important is investing in a good set or maybe getting fitted i, I know myself it was one of the best things i did because i'd sore knees until i got fitted but how yeah. important is that it is important i i think at the end of the day it's something that's comfortable on your feet as well so once you find the right type, it's, it's nice to kind of go into a shop and just try on uh, a few different types. Uh, so like the likes of Amphibian King there or Run Zone, you would have been down with Jim there. You know, they have a great, they have a great variety of different shoes. They, 
people don't realize as well like footwear will come in different shapes and sizes so you can get like 2e which would be a wide fit in a runner if you have a broad foot um some shoes like you have a pair of adidas on are quite narrow so if you're narrow foot they might suit you a little bit better and you can see all all the reviews online but it's not until you actually try on them and see how they feel uh that you know that they, they kind of feel good there absolutely and uh just if, if someone that maybe has a little bit of running experience has done five ten k's maybe even dabbled in a half marathon would you change that or what tips would you give someone that's maybe going from a half marathon to taking on a full marathon i mean it's it's the same principle if you're trained for a half marathon the only main main difference would be that your long run is going to increase and some of your paces will actually get a little bit slower because you need more recovery when you're doing a marathon because your volume and your miles will start to increase. Um, definitely for the long runs, you you would have seen it. Get some company in the long runs. You know, it's great to run them on your own because mentally in the marathon you should be running your own race, but you don't want to be running them on your own the whole time. Um, so it's a long time to be out there. And just one one thing, going back a little bit, but uh, just on the runners, if you're doing good mental mileage how often would you have to change some let's say you're running a lot yeah well brands will tell you like every 400 or 500 miles in my own experience i'll kind of get around 700 miles it depends how hard you are and kind of wear patterns so if you look at the sole on your shoe um probably 90 percent of people will heel strike so shoes are beveled so you'll see on the outside edge that um you'll see it start to wear down so if that that kind of colored um outsole starts to get down to the white uh midsole you know it's time to change them because they just kind of throw your hips out a little bit and also then the cushioning effect you lose a bit of that as well but uh, like it's all really changed so much over the last like seven or eight years like you had a stage where minimal was the fashion you know you had to wear barefoot shoes and then it it's now transitioned to maximal shoes so brands like hoka would be popular because they've obviously got massive amounts of of cushioning i like to kind of find a happy medium with runners so if you have all that cushioning what tends to happen is um you lose the proprioception you lose the feel for the ground so after a certain period of time when the shoes start to wear out and the cushioning starts to go you're still being sloppy with your technique and you're still hitting the ground quite hard so try and find a shoe for me anyway it works is kind of a shoe that's kind of a happy medium it's not too cushioned and it's not too thin and i suppose a bit of a we're got, we're nearly done on time here i just want to get a couple of things i, I kind of asked my own guests over the years of coaching or um being coached yourself what's the best bit of advice you've ever gotten oh god yeah, it's a tough <laughs> one it's always catches out and um, the best bit of advice um no, it doesn't need to be do it running it can be do a coaching be do a life anything we can come back to it if you want yeah i think we'll come back to okay that so w- what we normally do is we normally do a little quick fire round just at the, at the finishing off on the podcast and yeah. just ta- um first off any adv- uh recommendations on books or podcasts for any of the listeners um i like a book called running with the buffaloes it's a really good book okay and a little bit about it uh sorry and another another one uh charlie spedding brilliant book i can't think of the name of it uh charlie spedding actually finished third to john tracy who holds the irish record and 
his book is brilliant for anyone into running uh from first to last i think that's the name of it and it just documents his whole life's running and gives actually gives a, a quite a a lot of insight into his own training and i suppose something like that you can kind of see it's fairly simplistic what he does he does the same races every year to kind of uh, see where his fitness is at it's like a gauge for for with all these races so he does these races but he's not too concerned about winning them and that's what i say to people when you're doing the marathon shouldn't be too concerned about all these races leading up to the marathon it's that a goal at the end of the day that you want to nail on the day and is there any uh podcast recommendations around you listen to audible oh you're one of course <laughs> of course um and just uh any recommendations where you'd go i suppose Bite to eat, cup of coffee, or pint in Dublin. The fact that you don't drink coffee is probably, you can lose that one. <laughs> Any recommendations, your favorite spots? I like, uh, I suppose we, we would have spent a bit of time in the Hole in the Wall pub there in the Phoenix Park. It's quite nice. Cool. And just before I finish off, did you think of an answer to that question? Best piece of advice? Uh, it's probably Jerry Kiernan. Uh, Jerry Kiernan uh, would have told me before, um, with the Garmin thing, just switch it off. Go out and just run. Have your route. Know what the distance is and just run it to feel. And don't be too concerned about your Garmin watch. You know. Brilliant. And Kev, where can people find you or stay in contact with you or hear about your coaching? Um, yeah, so at the moment uh, it's on uh, Facebook. So if you just type my name in, Kevin English Running. And Instagram, Kevin English, uh, I think it's underscore 29 and next early next year i'll have the website up and i'm also going to be doing training camps next year so we have one one destination sorted so i kind of hope to have three different areas in ireland that we're going to run these training camps and a lot of them will be focused around dublin lead up to dublin so it might be just weekends away and just sharing experiences with each other and giving little tips on diet and stretching and all that Brilliant. Sounds great. Well, listen, Kev, it's been an absolute pleasure and lots of uh, high value takeaways there. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Appreciate it.